Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. My name is Mark Arlapage, and you are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, where each week I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. This is episode 377, Outsourcing Financial Management Services for Architecture Firms with Yotam Kadam. This episode of Entree Architect Podcast is supported by our platform sponsors. RCAT, the online resource delivering quality building material information, CAD details, BIM, specifications, and more, all for free. And Sweet Process, focus on the work that matters. Document process, procedures, and tasks all in one place so you can stay focused on growing your business. Yo, Tom Kadem, welcome to Entree Architect Podcast. Thank you for having me, Mark. Uh, happy to be here. Uh, it's great having you here. This is going to be an interesting conversation. And I think that um, uh, by the time we're done, I think many, many of our listeners uh, might have a mindset shift uh, about so. some of the things that we talk about here today. Uh, let me introduce you. Uh, Yotam is a partner and the head of the Precise office in New York City, um, the Precise International. Uh, is an international firm with more than 200 analysts that specialize in uh, financial management services for architectural and engineering firms here in the United States with offices in New York and Boston and Chicago, as well as Israel and uh, England and Greece. Uh, the firm has more than 20 years of experience working with A&E firms and today works with more than 400 A&E firms. That's 400 A&E firms around the world. 
Yotam uh, opened the office in New York back in 2011, and today he works with over 45 A&E firms in New York City with great success. So when I um, uh, met Yotam and we started talking, just so we just wanted to connect and, and meet one another, uh, we started talking about firm success, right? And, and how, do, how do firms grow and how do firms succeed? Um, and so I had to have him on this conversation and, and, and share uh, some of the knowledge that Yotam has with our community. So, but before we get into that, before we get into that conversation, Yotam, I'd love to share your origin story. How did this all start for you? Share your story from where you discovered your passion for what you're doing today to where you find yourself uh, at this moment. Sure. So, um, yeah, I mean, my story, kind of personal story, had kind of a lot of twists and turns. Um, I I was born in Israel. I kind of grew up in um, Boston, Massachusetts, moved back to Israel. At at, at certain point, um, I was getting my BA degree uh, in Israel. Um, and my last year um, in, in in college, I basically, uh, my friend introduced me to Precise. Uh, it was back then. There was probably 20, maybe 25 people uh, working working for the firm. Um, and they basically said, okay, you know, if, even if you're a student and you can just come in part-time, you can do this. And it was um, a great, you know, uh, experience. It felt like you're doing, as a student, you're doing something that matters. And uh, so I, you know, I, I looked into it. I interviewed it, did the whole process. And I, I started working there uh, at, you know, my, uh, my last year. I kind of really connected to 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 precise connected to the model connecting to the fact that we're you know without you know being too dramatic changing people's life or changing yeah. their lives um uh again we're not that dramatic but we really you know you you feel the shift you feel the change um and as as a young student that it, it meant a lot right because you're you know used to do kind of internships and stuff like that and it was really something that um that, that stood out Before we get too deep into this episode, let's say thank you to our platform sponsors here at Entree Architect, RCAT, and Sweet Process. I'm hearing it more and more among our Entree Architect community, the workload is piling up. With project conditions changing and limited time to get things done, it's good to have information at your fingertips. RCAT.com provides architects, engineers, spec writers, and contractors with the most comprehensive libraries of building product content. And it's designed so you can access it quickly and efficiently. Even better, RCAT.com is free. It's free to use and requires no registration, no credit card, no email. So visit today at RCAT.com and access the information you need now. That's RCAT.com, A-R-C-A-T.com. Let me ask you a question. Are you frustrated with how long it takes to get things done in your architecture firm? Or how chaotic and confusing things seem to get? Well, let me tell you about a much better way of getting work done. Let me tell you about a new tool that will help you overcome the frustrating logjam in your architecture firm. It's called Sweet Process. Sweet Process is a simple yet powerful tool that lets you create clear step-by-step -step instructions for every task in your architecture firm, from writing proposals to executing client work to responding to client requests. So everything gets done more easily and more reliably. 
Plus, you'll have a central place where everyone who works for you, your employees, your contractors, or even your virtual assistants, they can access your procedures anytime from any device. The best way to understand how Sweet Process streamlines your work is to start using it. The company offers 14-day free trials. But as listeners to this podcast, the Entree Architect community, you can try Sweet Process for 28 days free of charge. You don't even have to enter a credit card to get started. Just visit sweetprocess.com slash entrearchitect to start your free 28-day trial today. That's sweetprocess.com slash entrearchitect and let them know that you heard about them at the Entree Architect podcast. Sweetprocess.com slash entrearchitect. Please visit Arcat and Sweet Process today and thank them for supporting you, the Entree Architect community. And that was that was in that was in Israel. That was in Israel, yes. So and and it was already focused on A and E at that time. It was back then. It was solely focused on 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 A and E firms. Um, okay. Again, the company was uh, I think opened in ninety ninety six. So we're talking about I don't know maybe 10, 12 years. Um, was still in the initial growth of 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 the company, but it was really focused uh, fo- focused on that. Um, the knowledge was was already there, uh, but obviously we we made some huge changes, new shifts, and came a long way since then. But you already made felt like you made a difference, um, and and I was working there for. Then I finished my degree, I came, became full time, uh, got on another client, started really working, you know, with uh, with with more than one firm. Uh, really felt like that I'm making a difference. Um, about two years later, two three years later, um, I kind of on a personal crosswords. We I decided I had, uh, I was going to go back to uh, to the U.S. Basically, you know, uh, initially we think we're going to go back to to Boston because my family still lived there. Um, and you know, we or I'll say the partners in Precise. I mean, I'm now part of it, but back then I wasn't. Obviously, said you know what? If you're moving, let's you know let's 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 give this a try and let's try to open you know. Um, Go go international. At that time, we thought you know the Israeli market um, was you know limited. Uh, we knew we were wrong. Uh, now we know we were wrong because you know we we grew substantially. But you know we decided to open the firm and we uh, opened the U.S. firm. Um, and then I basically came here, uh, came to New York, um, started working with uh, one client uh, at the beginning. Was was the expansion to to New York um, your idea, or was it the partner's idea, or was it just sort of I'm moving? So uh, specifically to New York, I mean, we we knew obviously the market here was a little bit bigger. We we had some some kind of connection, some kind of uh, referrals um, uh, that we knew. Um, so basically, we said, okay, we're we're gonna kind of merge those 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 together, and we said, you know, let's. Let's give it a try. I mean, we were we didn't know if the services, if the things that happened in the U.S. There, there was no U.K. precise back then or Greece or anything like that. So we didn't know if it could transform like internationally. We thought it could, but we just didn't know the market. Um, so we started, and and I mean, very fast. We already kind of realized that it's very similar. I mean, architects and engineers. Um, and I said it's like in a, in a, with a good twist, right? are very similar every place they are, right? I mean, yeah. facing the same challenges, um, the, let's say the character or the inspirations 
are pretty similar uh, at all of you know all of these places. Um, and and basically, I I started. I was I was an analyst. I was the first precise analyst. I was an analyst. I was a manager. I was basically doing everything. And then we slowly started growing uh, the company to where today we have about 20 analysts now um, kind of that work that work with me. Um, we have managers that are managing those those analysts as well, uh, and we're working with about 45 firms. And we just started to grow. And obviously, um, we had a methodology of how to run this, how how to do. We we knew how to kind of run the firm. But we were all, in the beginning, we were kind of lacking some of the. Um, industry knowledge, kind of how things are happening here, specifically to agencies, to pricing, all of that stuff. And that really what we picked up in the last, I guess, almost uh, 10 years and we became kind of stronger and stronger. Um, I always felt our tools were very strong, but I think the fact we had also now the knowledge uh, was really appealing to a lot, a lot, of, uh, a lot of firms. Um, we are service oriented, so we have to grow slowly. I mean, even though it sounds like a lot, 30, 40%, that's what we're growing about every year. Um, we can do it faster, but it just, we can't from a, from a, let's say from a service point of view, uh, we're very, you know, minded on the service and we don't just like, you know, bring people off the street, put them in an office and say goodbye. We have kind of the managers very involved. I'm, I'm uh, staying, I'm staying involved with all of our clients. Um, and really that's kind of how we learn. We also learn, you know, we have, you know, we meet together, pass information, not pricing information, but, you know, problems that you're facing. Things like, you know, you know, I, I have an issue with, you know, an architectural firm, you know, somebody wants a discount, somebody doesn't want to pay for some infrastructure. Like, what do you do? It really helps us kind of uh, move things forward. Um, we learn things every day, but a lot of the challenges that we see in, you know, from the smallest firms to the biggest firms, uh, a lot of them we see it other places, so it's hard for us. It's easy for us to say, okay, this is you know what we see in other places. This is what can can work, and this is what can really be helpful. I mean, for me personally, obviously, it's a huge journey. I mean, I I, I came in as really kind of an analyst. I had a great opportunity. I didn't know how it's gonna uh, translate, um, and I'm kind of very happy to uh, where we are now, and also very happy. Again, I still wake up every day in the morning. I'm happy about you know the changes we're making. Uh, even in days like this, right? I mean, during uh, COVID, we were we stayed very involved. We were meeting our clients literally every week, sometimes you know, every, you know twice a week, just because there were so many challenges, so many issues that we had to face. Um, and you know, I, I think what you know we feel the uh, the satisfaction um, really really helps. Um, and that's basically kind of my my story. It's not 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 a, a regular standard story, but and, and again, obviously, the success of the company is not is not all on me. We had you know analysts that started five six years ago, and now our managers they're really kind of uh, taking a step forward and really managing the services. Uh, analysts that work very hard and care about their clients and really do all of that. So we're really like it's it's a team effort here. Um, we are very we're very close knit uh, family and precise. Um, and we really, the people that work for us, the people that care, uh, I think that's something very key with our architecture firm. We, you need to care about, you know, about that business, um, especially the business side, because, you know, sometimes or uh, many times, you know, the, the owners, um, they have different priorities, uh, which is not a bad thing, right? People didn't go to school, right, to be, you know. To, to be business to open a business, right? They went because they love what they do, um, 
and I really believe in that. That if you if you're an architect and you love what you do, um, and you're good at what you do, obviously, I think you're going to be su- successful. I think the the mindset that you have to be a business person to be successful. Um, I, I don't 100% agree with that. I mean, you need to know the business aspect. You need to know what's important. You sometimes need to outsource it, obviously. But, you know, if your product, if your service is strong, eventually you're, you're, you're going to make it. Um, and, and you need to uh, work on your craft more, more than anything. Uh, and, and I think sometimes we start working with firms, obviously the smaller side, they're a little bit confused because they think, okay, I know what to design, but that's not my issue. My issue is how do I do the business aspect? You know, that's what's holding me back. And I'm like, you know, you focus on your design, you focus on your product, you focus on the service. At the end, this is a service. You know, it's there's a product, which is the design, but you're dealing with clients and, and the service component is as important, if not even more than the actual product at, at the end, uh, especially for younger firms. Uh, you focus on that. I really believe you'll be successful. Uh, it, sometimes it means growth. Sometimes it means you know, maybe staying where you are, just being successful. You don't have to grow up to be successful. Um, but you know, I, I really think you know, focus on on the focus on the design, focus on the service, focus on what makes you happy, what you're good at, um, and don't get too much in the you know, worry too much about you know, I'm I'm a bad business person. Most architects, I hate to say, they're not, <laughs> not a bad business person, but it's just not not the strength, right? I mean, that's part of the reason our model works. The other reason it works, or the other reason we're focusing on A&E, because it's a very difficult business to run. You know, it's not, you don't, sometimes you get paid hourly. Most of the time you don't. You don't have inventory. You know, the models of, of running this business are not as straightforward. Uh, and you need to be very mindful of everything you're doing. So it's, 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 just, it's just tough to run. So don't kind of beat yourself up saying, I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm bad at business because I really think at, at the end. If you're good at design, you're, you know, you're, um, it's going to work itself out and you're going to be successful. Who, who are the architects that work with you? Do you work mostly with larger firms or are you working with firms of all sizes? So our services really, I think our smallest firms and maybe two, three employees, uh, our biggest, you know, firms are like, I don't know, 150, 160, um, I, is there a sweet spot? I mean, I will say the concentration. It's probably between uh, you know ten to twenty five. I would say, um, is that the place we bring the most value? Probably not. I mean, I think it really depends on the firm, and we can bring different value to different uh, the different sizes. Um, a lot of our growth is really organic because we don't really focus too much on marketing. So our clients are the ones that are really referring us to to uh, to other clients. I'll just kind of how I would refer to you. I mean, that's really kind of how it works. So it could be a specific year that we worked with a few firms that were, I don't know, 10 people and their friends also are 10 people. So all of a sudden we have more firms that are 10 people. Sometimes we have bigger firms. So it's obviously it changes uh, every year. It's, it's a little bit different. Yeah. When you're good at what you do, um, tend to people who you've helped tend to want to share that knowledge with their friends, right? They want their friends to, to have that same experience. Yeah, uh, hopefully it's been working out like that. And again, we're, you know, we're we're trying our best that everybody uh, are happy and successful, right? I mean, it's sometimes it's sometimes it's not the same thing, right? Sometimes you can be successful but not not happy at what yeah. you do. Sometimes you're 
you're happy even though you're not really successful. So we're trying to kind of make those both and successful, you know, it's obviously it's a it's a vague term, but um I'll say kind of financially stable um while happy what you do. Um yeah. I think that's that's a good combination. So what what is precise specifically do if if a firm of let's say let's just use a firm of ten people come to you and they're struggling, they don't really know why they're struggling. Uh, their friend recommended you. What what do you do for them? Yeah. So what we um, we focus again. We have a kind of a core services, and we have services that kind of surround you know our, our core services. So we really first first of all, I mean, from this project aspect, we help. We have kind of our tools of how to help run the project from you know budget of hours, working with project managers, working with the owners, setting up budgets for every phase you know, having projections for every month and really managing that process, uh, managing uh, the pricing, managing the additional services aspect, which is uh, usually a big issue for for all firms, but especially for small firms is the additional services aspect. And it's how you manage it is very key because you, you know, the scope creep almost in every job, if you don't catch it fast enough, that money is basically gone. So we really are there to really kind of manage that that aspect uh, from the project to really the firm. So we set goals for the firm. We set budgets for expenses, how much we're supposed to pay on every expense line item. We have the knowledge of a benchmark of how much a firm as a percentage of revenue should pay for rent, how much they should pay for marketing. And we really tell the firms, where, where are you at in that scale? Are you overpaying? Are you underpaying? Um, and, and if we're kind of setting up our uh, cost, what do we need to bill on a monthly basis? How much we need to collect? You know, how many hours staff needs to put in? Uh, what's the utilization of the staff? So we really kind of take over that. That's kind of our main kind of focus, main tools. And we really work with, depends on the level in smaller firms, sometimes the owner is the person we deal with the most. Uh, when it's a little bit of bigger firm, there's project managers or, or associates that we're really kind of working with. And that's basically it. We we, again, from the small specific project to, to the firm, we make sure everything is run efficiently. Uh, when it's time to hire, again, we have our tools that shows us workload and projections for the next few months. So if somebody does need to hire, um, they can be comfortable hiring uh, because, again, that's one of the biggest challenges that people have. And a lot of the firms, you know, there's a lot of stories about us that, you know, we came in, the firm grew like crazy. We didn't bring any work. I mean, we're not help with pricing, but we're not, you know, we're not dealing with the brand. We're not dealing with really the service aspect. That's really the architect. But many times, firms are given up on opportunities because they're afraid to grow. Uh, And we have countless situations when we came in and people said, we're very busy. We're saying no to jobs. And I, you know, my initial thing is, why are you saying no to jobs? Do you not want to grow? They're like, yeah, we want to grow, but we're too busy now. So, I think where people see that they have the workload and and they can really quantify it, it really helps them taking those steps to to really grow and, and taking on more staff. Again, if they want to, not everybody wants to grow, but you know, this business is all about capturing the opportunities. You know, um, expenses needs to be controlled. Uh, obviously, we try to minimize expenses because that helps the bottom line, but we. We believe in controlling expenses, maximizing revenue, um, not you know minimizing expenses in the, in the same revenue. It's just the way the the model works. It's usually easier to bring in revenue 
consistent to minimize your expenses, even though that's your gut feeling. And I totally understand that from, again, from the small to the big firms, it's, you know, you know what you pay, right? You know, you feel that money going out. It's, it's kind of scarier to hire people and, and do all of that. Um, and I think we, we help with that because we give numbers and it's not just based on your hunch. You know, I, I need more people. It's really based on numbers that you can quantify and you can see what your bottom line would look like in the next three or four months. Yeah, I, I think there, there are many architects who who want to grow and are afraid, right? It's just fear in their way. They don't know how, or they're afraid they're going to lose control. Uh, and then there's some other architects that just, they like being a sole practitioner, don't want to grow beyond that. Um, you know, they like having a firm of two or three people. It's a you know tight little family and they, you know, they get enough work to, to do what they do. Um, but then I also hear the other side that they don't feel like they're making en enough money, right? They're not earning enough personally and they're yeah. not, the firm isn't earning enough to really be successful. They're just making enough to survive. Uh, in fact, many of them just find themselves in debt because they're not making enough. Um, and they're also typically pretty careful with their money. So it's hard to f reduce expenses because they're already, you know, they, yeah, they don't really spend money on things they don't need typically. Um, and it, it, it really does come down to revenue. Uh, and more revenue means growth. You need to have more work and more work means more people and more people means it's a bigger firm. And so you need to go through that mental exercise in order to accept that this is what, what I need to do. So if we are in, a, in that situation where we are sort of uh, struggling with the idea of, of of growth, what do you recommend to somebody who's maybe, maybe it's a three person firm, they know they need to grow, they're struggling to keep the bills paid, and they need to take that next step, but they just don't know how. What, what, what do you recommend to somebody like that? Yeah, so, so first of all, again, just to reiterate what you said, uh, yeah. there are firms that want to stay at a certain size, right? right. Um, it, it does mean there are sacrificing sacrifices in, in growing, right? I mean, you're, you're basically, I don't want to say losing control, but, you know, and maybe, again, from a three-people firm to a six-people firm, maybe you don't lose as much, but, you know, some of the firms we work with, you know, they... They grew from, you know, 10 to 50. It's it's different. You know, you're maybe as an owner, not as involved in all of the details. You may be not involved in all of the design. More importantly, the bulk of your time is going to be worked on business development. And not everybody wants to, to do that aspect. So first of all, you need, and I get this question a lot, like, what size should I be? And my initial question is, what do you want to do as an owner? What's What's your dream scenario? So if your dream scenario is to be a designer and just design a project that you choose, maybe you should stay at a certain size. If the financially, but you're right, that there is a um, kind of a cap to how profitable you can be when you're working by yourself, working with one or more people. Uh, it's just, this is just how it works. Now, when you start growing, obviously, you know, with the structure, you can have staff that's producing and, 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 bringing, and bringing more work. Um, I, I'll say... There's a lot of challenges in growing, but what you really need to do um, is, I mean, work really tells you how fast you can grow. If you can't bring the work, obviously, you're, you're not going to grow. But the important thing is really to, to, if the opportunity comes in, and even if you say, okay, I can't do it by myself right now, I got to start, like, you know, hiring people, um, you just need, you need to take that, you know, that deep dive, and you need to see kind of how how it works, um, you need to control your expenses, obviously. 
but you you also need to um, to take an opportunity to grow because when you're at a certain size, stabilizing it might be a little bit easier because you know how much work you need to bring. That that initial leap, you know, from going to three to six, is sometimes a little bit a little bit tricky, and you need to um, you, just you, you need the work and you need to be uh, prepared to delegate. Uh, that's not easy. It's not easy for me to delegate. Um, I think it's easy for everybody to delegate, but you know, you, you need to, um, uh, again, and how comfortable in delegating you are is going to dictate also the pace that you, that you grow. Um, I, you know, we started, we worked with a firm that were literally, they had two employees and in four months they became eight. Um, but they were ready. You know, they were ready to take it. They just needed reassurance. I got the work. I can really kind of hire. But when when you're growing, you're going to need to worry about expenses a little bit more. You're going to need to be worried about, you know, you have to have processes in place like the billing process, a collection process. Uh, just, just you know, when you're one person, you send a bill once in a while because, again, it's only you. When you grow, you got to get your firm a little bit, a little bit more, uh, more structured. What kind of an assistance you need really depends on on the size you're you're going to grow to. So I'm hearing we need to focus on our systems, right? Because we're going to have to understand how to get the work done. Um, I'm hearing delegation, so we have to get good at delegating. And getting good good at delegating is about being intentional about it and learning how to do it. Delegation is a skill. It's not something we just decide tomorrow we're going to start delegating, right? Because there's a there's a big mental shift that has to happen. Uh, that many of us at very small firms, you know, we've been doing it for so long this way. Uh, we have to, it's it's not just a matter of picking something that you do and give it to somebody else, right? There's more to delegation to make that successful. Um, and then the other thing I'm hearing is financial management, that financial management is is critical to understand how financial management works so you can understand the money, right? Understand yeah. the cash flow of how money comes in, how money goes out, to understand how and when you're ready to hire, right? You, you said earlier that one of the things you do is to is to prepare the firm to be able to hire with confidence, right? And that's all financial management, right? For sure. I mean, financial management is, 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 is obviously key. And again, the level of financial management, you know, of 15 employee firm and, and three is, is not the same. Uh, obviously, you don't, need, you don't need the same amount of service but you you do need to have the processes. You need to have the tools, and you need you need to know your numbers. Um, but um, again, I think it's at the beginning. It's it's you know even if you see the numbers, and again we see it a lot. Even if you see the numbers, you see you can grow. Something deep inside is holding you back, especially if you did this for a, for a long time. You know, obviously somebody that opened a business and two years later starts growing, it's sometimes easier. But a firm that's being one or two people or three people for 10 years, and all of a sudden they have the opportunities. Sometimes it's harder, um, but you just, you you need to trust the numbers. And if it's that, that's what you want, I'm not saying everybody needs to do it. But that's what you want is you need to take the punch and you need to, uh, you need to go for it. And again, always remember that focus on the revenue, focus on, you know, am I pricing right? I'm getting the work, additional services. You know, you need to remember that you know, the work you're doing has has value. And even though you love doing it, and they all do, right? All architects love their work and they love doing the work. It has value to the clients. And if they're asking additional scope or they're asking additional things, it's 
even if you're happy to do it, you need to also know to, to charge for it. And that becomes key when you have staff. Uh, because, you know, if the staff is working on a project not generating revenue, that becomes a little bit um, a scary situation. Yeah. Do, do you ever get pushback when you start working with somebody and, and, and you say, okay, this is what needs to happen? And they're like, no, I don't want to do that. For, I mean, I mean, for sure. I mean, I had one of, I mean, obviously there's a story, one, one of, I mean, it's been, I guess, five years of working with this specific firm. Um, and he told me, you know, I'm, the way I work is regardless of the fee in the contract, I provide the best, best service I can. Somebody's paying me 50 or 150, I'll, I'll literally provide the same service. And he told me, what I'm afraid about hiring you is that you guys will change the way I think. And my answer was, I, I don't know. I mean, I can't tell you for sure that I won't change how you think, uh, but I want you to be aware. I want you to be aware that for a 50000 you know, fee, you're spending 150. Now, if that job is that important for you, for whatever reason, a resume, relationship with a client, make that decision. That's fine. I want you to. I want you to be aware of the numbers. Sometimes when we don't know the numbers, it's easier easier for us to say, it's, "I'm I'm servicing the same thing." But when you see it and when you know it, it becomes different. Um, we, I mean, in general, I think you know we, we get pushed back for specific things, but I think people that really work with us, um, they you know they 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 want to to shift how they. Uh, how they behave, how they work. Again, we're not making decisions for everybody. We're just basically saying, these are the numbers. This is the situation. This is our suggestion. They don't always go with the suggestion. I mean, we sometimes, you know, say, you know, to hire staff or to let staff go. And people will say, you know what, I'm, I understand the financial impact this is going to have on me and I'm okay with it. And that's fine. So um, we're, I think it's a collaborative, um, always decision-making. So. And if we get pushed back, it's usually in the beginning uh, that people need to get used to uh, used to the idea um, of you know changing the way they think. But a lot of the times, the reason they come work with us is because they want to change it. But even because even if they know they want to change it, it's sometimes hard to to really do. And it's kind of like you said with delegating, right? It's it's letting go, and letting go is not easy, especially if you didn't been doing this for a while. Um, and we had you know. We have firms that are doing this for 50, 60 years, um, and it's, it's hard to change, you know, things that be going on for so long. And we find the balance. We're not, we're not shifting, you know, firms all over the place. We're, we're just, you know, I like to just make a few changes, a few tweaks, really, to, to make sure things, you know, run smoothly and, and, and more profitable. Yeah. Oh. If you could pick one thing that a small firm architect can do today to build a better business for tomorrow, what would that be? So I think, again, um, kind of as I said before, um, I think you need to know what to focus on. And I think it's, even though we spoke about business for the past you know, 30 minutes, um, really differentiate uh, yourself and the way you differentiate yourself is, is really your design and, and, and your service. Um, the business aspect, people think that, you know, successful um, firms are the ones that know business. Usually successful firms are the ones that are very talented. Um, they know what they're doing. There's their, their product, their service 
is A, good, and B, a little bit different, right? That has as as kind of a unique unique type for it. And my suggestion is even if you grow or when you grow, you know, make sure you don't lose it. Make sure you don't lose, you know, what what made people fall in love with you, what made people go go to you and and, and bring that work. Make sure you you keep that, you know, uh, moving forward. If you do, um, with again with some business assistance, you'll you'll be successful. Yeah, Yotam Kadem. Uh, it's uh, Precise International. It's the company. Yeah. Um, Precise Dash Int dot com is the website. You can go there and learn all about uh, Precise and everything that Yotam and his team are doing over there. Yotam, thank you very very much. This has been an inspiring conversation. I appreciate you for coming. Uh, and sharing your knowledge here today at Entree Architect Podcast. Thank you so much. Really, it was it was a lot of fun. Thank you, and good luck, everybody. Access the show notes or share this episode with a friend. The link is entrearchitect.com/episode three hundred seventy-seven. That's entrearchitect.com/episode three seven seven. Entree Architect is proud to be a partner with the largest, most engaged AEC multimedia network on the planet, Gable Media. Have you been there? GableMedia.com, you should go check it out. We are curating thought leadership for an audience dedicated to building a better world. Listen and subscribe to all the shows at GableMedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. And check out Entree Architect Academy membership ready to edit business resources, live monthly training webinars every month, a supportive architect community, and Simple Systems, our new business system program developed for small firm entrepreneur architects. We're building systems for you, and that library is growing. It's all waiting for you right now at Entree Architect Academy membership. Go check it out at entrearchitect.com join. entrearchitect.com join to learn all about the Entree Architect Academy membership. Be well, my friends. Be healthy, happy, safe, and secure. Thank you for listening today. Love, learn, share. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders, Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, 
and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like, us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my the one that God. came out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast. It's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is going to be a priority. When the job is done, we're going to actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. (laughs) So for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.